How many of you guys in this room, you love a good story? Anybody? Like, you just, like, I love, like, you guys know someone, you guys know those people who can stand and, like, tell a story and the whole time you're just captivated. You know what I'm talking Like, here's the deal. My kids are not one of those people. Like, we call Jackson at home. He's got a nickname we call him. We call him the Riddler. Because, like, he'll start telling a story, and then he'll go this way, and then he'll go this way. And we're just like, when he finally finishes the story, I'm just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's just all a riddle. So, so some people, there are some people, though, who can tell a good story, right? And you're just, like, just enthralled. You're just listening. She's like, oh, this story is so good. I cannot wait to, to find out what's going on. And a good story has the power to make you laugh, Right? A good story, like like um like for instance, take the movie, the original, Dumb and Dumber, right? Um, or it, it's so dumb, I can't help but laugh. Or maybe maybe this, maybe this is your movie, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, Nacho Libre. Um, just stuff like that, just so funny, so good, so cleverly funny. It's it's um. It's just so good. We love good stories like that. Um, true story. When I was in college, a group of friends and myself, we decided to go to Taco Bell one night, and we decided to have a taco eating contest. Have you guys ever done that? It's a bad idea. Um, so Taco Bell eating contest, sitting down with a whole group of guys, and, and just so you guys know, I totally lost. I didn't get very far. Um, but there were a couple guys who downed like 20 tacos. That's pretty, that's very impressive. It's very impressive. And here's the deal. These guys were miserably full. You know what I'm talking about? Like you eat so much food. You're just like, I'm just going to have to go buy some stretchy pants and like sit around and like, oh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're just miserably full. You cannot move. And like, but you know how though it is when you get a group of friends, like a good group of close friends and you'll do something stupid and everyone just starts laughing. And like, it's like that uncontrollable laughter. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it's like that big belly laughter, not saying you have big bellies, but you know what I'm talking about? It's like from down deep and you're just laughing. It's so funny. Well, something happened, and these guys, everyone just started laughing. We were having so much fun together, and these guys just started laughing. One of those guys who ate 20 tacos laughed so hard, he started throwing up tacos. It was that bad. It was disgusting. And so, I don't know if you've ever laughed so hard you've thrown up, but it is possible. So, um, so here's the deal. Some of you guys in this room, you may have to humble yourself a little bit, but a good story can make you cry. Right? A good story can make you... Girls? Yeah, okay, maybe. A good story can make you cry. Some of you guys are like, man, I don't cry. I don't cry about anything. If you have never cried, it's because you've never seen the movie Up. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you guys, everyone seen that? You've seen that? It's so cute. Like, in the beginning, like you guys remember, in the beginning, it's all about this really old, it's about this old couple, and they've been in love forever, and it shows showing their pictures and all this kind of stuff. This old couple, they've been in love forever, and it's so great. And then out of nowhere, she dies. 
she dies. And, and I'm like this, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why is water coming out of my eyes? Like, I don't understand this. What's going on? A good story can make you laugh. A good story can make you cry. A good story can make you proud. Anyone like sports? Any sports people in here? A few of us. Um, Have you guys ever seen the movie Coach Carter? It's been around for a while. You you may realize it or not. Coach Carter. Okay. Um, Okay, so how about uh, Remember the Titans? Okay, you guys seen the movie Remember? And like at the end of it, you're like... It makes you so proud. You're like, this movie's great. I love it. Um, okay, how about if I go really old school? I kind of doubt most of you guys have seen this movie. But the movie Hoosiers? Yeah? <laughs> great, great basketball movie. It's like set way back in the 50s. It's awesome. It's really good. Um, these movies, they make you so proud. There's power in a good story. There's this movie... When I was younger, you got I, I'm sure you guys would know this. And I was a little bit younger, and, and after I watched this movie, I went outside, and I lowered the rim, and I tried to dunk for like a month straight. My thought was, here was my thought, if I ever got a chance to play against the Monstars, Space Jam, come on, I'm going to dunk all over these guys, and like... You guys know Space Jam, right? Yeah? Yeah? No? Come on. Here's the deal. I want to tell you guys this. If an alien invasion ever happens and they want to play us in a basketball game, I will dunk from half court. It, like, it will be, I'd be like unbelievable. Like Jordan did, like in, in the stretchy arm. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So here's the deal. Tonight we're talking about story. Tonight we're talking about story, and, and we all have a good story. Um, but did you know that your life, the way you live in your life, is telling a story? Your life is telling a story. And here, you get the chance, but well, not you have to, but you get to tell a story with the days and the minutes that you live here on earth. So, um, if you're familiar with Snapchat, any Snapchat people? Snapchat, one of my favorite, um, you know, in, in Snapchat, they have the, the story feature option thing, right? And, and so you can post your pictures too. And so here's, that's, that's one thing I like about Snapchat. You send pics and, and, but I like the story feature because it tells a story of how you're living, of what you're doing, of what's going on. So if I can encourage you with anything with my message tonight, with anything in this whole series, it's this. Live a story worth telling. Live a story worth telling. And I want to encourage you tonight to take some notes. If you brought a pen and paper um, to take some notes tonight, um, if you need to just scratch it into your arm, do that. Whatever it is you need, scratch it into the person next to your arm, whatever it is. I want to encourage you guys to take some notes. And I want to encourage you guys to write some of these things down because I believe that this message tonight and this whole series this month could really be life-changing for a lot of you guys. Um, so I want to encourage you to live a story Worth telling. If you got your Bible, go to the book of Judges. That's Old Testament. The book of Judges. Um, really, really interesting book. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. It's got some great stuff in there. So the, t- the story that we're talking about tonight, 
is about a guy who lived a story worth telling. Um, this guy, he's a very unlikely character, and his name is Gideon. And you guys ever heard of Gideon? I'm not talking about Gilligan, who got rescued from the island. I'm talking about Gideon. And um, so let me tell you guys, you guys know about Gilligan too, right? Okay, just checking. Yeah, sorry. So let me tell you guys what happened to Gideon tonight. And, and I want you to hear, and I want you to listen to this. If you're messing around with the people around you, please stop. I, I'm on the verge tonight of, like, calling people out on it. So um, you know who you are. So in your Bible... If you guys would open it up tonight, we're going to the book of Judges 6, chapter 1. And so um, it's going to be really good. So here's, let me set it up a little bit. The nation of Israel, which is God's people, uh, we've got them. And then we've got the Midianites. Everybody say Midianites. And then we've got Amalekites. Everybody say Amalekites. We've got a lot of ites going on there. And... Um, I want you to, to read along with me if you got your Bible, but if not, you can read it on the screen. So it goes like this. Verse 1 says, Yet again, the people of Israel went back to doing evil in God's sight. God put them under the domination of Midian for seven years. So think about that. Another country, think about here in the U.S. Another country comes in here and they take us over and they rule us for seven years. They dominate us for seven years. And, and think about, like, that oppression and, and the, what's going on. Like, soldiers walking around with AKs. Like, you know what I'm talking about. And, and you can't do what you want to do because another country is here ruling us. They're running us. They're telling us how to live our lives and what we do. So think about that for seven years. This is going on. So back to our scripture. It says this, Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves hideouts in the mountains, like caves and forts. So here's the deal. These people are so scared to death that they're hiding out, that they're building caves and, and forts and all this to get away from these people, to run from these people. So back to our scripture, it says, when, when Israel, when they planted crops, Midian and Amalek, the Easterners, would invade them. They would camp in their fields, and they would dis destroy their crops all the way down to Gaza. And if you ever have watched the news, you've probably heard about Gaza in Israel. It's at the bottom of Israel. And if, uh, like I said, if you're, if you're familiar with that, um, let me tell you this. These battles in Gaza have been going on for thousands of years. Um, so, back to our scripture, they left nothing for them to live on. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey, um, bringing their cattle and tents, they came in and they took, took over like an invasion of locusts. And their, their camels passed counting. They marched in and they devastated the country. The people of Israel, reduced to grinding poverty by Midian, cried out to God for help. So here's the deal. Every good story has got to set up. It's got to set up. It's got a way that it sets up. Every movie, if you watch it, the first few scenes are setting up what's going to happen. Um, and, and this is this is tonight what we're reading, what we're talking about tonight. It's a real story. It's not like a make-believe. We didn't make this up. This really happened. It's a real story. Um, the Midianites and the Amalekites are pressing Israel so bad 
that they're running and they're hiding in caves in the mountains because they're trying to get away. It's so bad. The situation is so bad. They're running and trying to get away. These people came in and they took everything. They took everything. And down to what the Bible said here, grinding poverty. Um, Now let me introduce you to a guy named Gideon. So it gets so bad that the Israelites, they're crying out to God for help. And then here's what happens in verse 11. It says, one day the angel of God came down and sat under the oak. And I like to say Oprah, but it's not. Um, And that belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of sight of the Midianites. Now, I'm not exactly sure what it means to be threshing wheat, but I do know that you don't thresh wheat in a winepress. A winepress is for wine. Uh, I don't know what you do when you thresh wheat, but... It's You know what I'm saying? So he was threshing wheat in the wine press. So long story short, Gideon, what he was doing, he was hiding out from the bad guys. He was hiding from the bad guys. And let me tell you what um, this was saying. Gideon was hiding like he was scared to death of the Amalekites and the Midianites. So let's continue the story. And, and this is why God's so great. It all comes down to this. Watch what happens. It says this next sentence. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Hold up. It should have read, God is with you, you scaredy cat. Like, God is with you, you punk. Like, God is with you, you almighty baby. Big old turkey baby. You know, like, it's you, stinky turkey. That's my kids call it, stinky turkey baby. I don't know what that means, but... But that is not what the angel of the Lord says. That's not what he calls Gideon by. And I want to tell you this right now. God is way less concerned with where you are, and he's more concerned with what he has for you and what he wants, where he wants to take you. And this is why it's so important that you show up here to Emerge on, on Wednesdays, you show up to church on Sundays, that you get involved in a life group, that you find some friends, because God is out of the normal. He's going to show up, and he's going to say, God is with you, mighty warrior. And you may not even feel like a mighty warrior. You may not even be in battle at the moment in your life. But God is with you, mighty warriors. Look at the person next to you say, I'm a mighty warrior. Now flex. Yeah. Okay. Someday, here's the deal. Someday you're going to be in a battle. And you're going to need to remember that. You're going to, need to, you're going to be in a battle, and you're going to need to remember that you are a mighty warrior. Some of you guys, some of you guys in this room, you may have a rough life at home. You've got parents or a family who says and does things that is just bad. And some of you may be, you may be dating someone who's a complete loser, and he says things to you that's just trash. But God is saying, I'm with you, mighty warrior. He's predicting where he's about to take Gideon. And some of you guys, if you want to live a story worth telling, you've got to quit trying to live a story that you've been telling. You've got to start living the story that God has created you to tell. Not with your words uh, or your tweets or your Instagram posts or your, your Snapchat pictures or your stories. You've got to start living the story that God has created you to tell. 
You've got to let live a story worth telling. So if you're taking notes, I've got four things tonight, four quick things that I'm going to give you that I want you to write, write down. I want you to remember. Um, I've got first thing is this. You've got to use what you have. Everybody say, you got to use what you have. you got to use what you have. So if you're going to live a story worth telling, you've got to use what you have. And I like what it says in verse 14. 14. Um, it says, but God faced him directly, like he looked right at him. And he says, go in this strength that is yours. Use what you have. If you have a car, anybody drive? If you have a car, go get some gas in it and use it to fill the seats with people who don't know Jesus and bring them to emerge on Wednesdays. Use what you have. You got a job? Use your money to maybe help someone with their lunch at school. To maybe bless somebody else. To, to be a blessing to people. Use what you have. Um, you have a house or great parents. Use what you have. Have people over and let people experience the love of Jesus that's in your home. I love the fact that all of our neighbor kids want to come to our house and play. I like that. I love that fact. Um, I, I want that. I don't want my kids going to some other people's house where it's full of oppression or where it's full of sin or these people are, are not good people. I want to know where my kids are at and I want my kids in a good place and I want neighbor's kids in a good place where we can love them and help them and encourage them or whatever. Evie, she's got these two little girls who have been coming over to play and they're, they're a Muslim family. They live in our neighborhood and they've been coming over to play and I love the fact that my eight-year-old daughter is concerned that these girls won't go to heaven because they don't know Jesus. And we let them come to our house and play because we want to be a good influence on them. Use what you have. Are you an athlete? Use that. Use your athletic talent to tell a story worth telling for the glory of God. Do what you can with what you have. Some of you guys are like all over Twitter, Snapchat. Use that. Use it for the glory of the Lord. Do what you can with what you have. The second thing I want to tell you tonight is this. Make every moment matter. Make every moment matter. Make it matter. Some of you, you guys, you, you walk in here, and, and here's what I thought when I was your age as well. You think, one day, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be famous. People are going to know me. Right? Like, this is what you, I, I, we've all been there. Like, one day, people are going to know me, and I'm going to be famous. And one day, I'm going to do something significant. And one day, I'm going to get serious about my faith. Did you know that one day is the enemy's favorite day? It's his favorite day. If you'll just keep saying, oh, one day, uh, I'll do that. Or one day, I'll do this for Jesus. Or one day, I'm going to do this. If you keep saying that, he wins. He wins. He continues to win. If he can do, get you to avoid doing it today, he wins. Look how serious the Bible is about this in James 4. It says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life, it's like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. Make every moment 
matter. Tonight, I want to tell you guys, if God speaks to you, he, he may be even speaking something to you right now through this message, but take advantage of it tonight. Do something with it tonight. Do something immediately. Don't wait, because most times if we will wait, we won't do anything. If we put it off, we won't follow through. We won't do anything. And, and make every God moment matter. Some of you, you've never really let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Tonight, you need to do that. Make every moment matter if you want to live a story worth telling. The third thing I've got to tell you is this. Don't let other people write your story for you. Don't let other people write your story for you. The people that you put yourself around will influence your life. They will influence you. You put yourself around people who do drugs, you're going to most likely end up doing drugs. You put yourself around people who gossip, you're going to eventually, most likely, end up being a gossiper. The people you you are around will, will write your story for you if you let them. I pray with my kids every night that God would make them leaders and influencers. And they would be the ones doing the influencing, not others being the ones to influence my kids. When I was in high school and, and college, I tell you guys this tonight because it's part of my story. I lived like an idiot. I did. And I was a sophomore in high school. And all through growing up, I started playing football in third grade. Loved it. I still love football. But as a sophomore in high school, I played football. And here's the deal. Like, I absolutely love football. And I was always one of the smallest guys on the field. Imagine that. Right? I'm so tall. But here's what I did. I worked really, really, really hard, and I practiced really, really hard. And I knew I was smaller than everyone else, and I knew that if I was going to play, I had to earn my spot on the team. I was probably like 5'2", 5'3", maybe, and maybe weighed like 125 pounds. I can tell you this. When I graduated high school... I weighed 135 pounds, if that tells you anything. So um, every week, I would be on the scout team defense. If you guys know anything about football, you know the scout team is not where you want to be. That's the bad place. You're the scout team. And here's the deal. Here's what I would do. I would volunteer to be on the scout team, which what that means is that I would, I would be on the team that was against the first team. Like the athletes, the all-stars, the big guys, the, the really good athletes. Um, and, and we would practice. And which was usually these guys, like the scout team was typically the guys who weren't real good. They didn't have the starting positions. And, and what would happen is in practice, um, the first team offense would just get out there and they would just destroy the scout team over and over and over, and they would run plays over and over and over because they were practicing, they were learning the plays, and you would get destroyed on the scout team because you were playing against the number one offense. Well, I was dumb enough. Well, I, I, I worked really hard, and I would volunteer to be on the scout team because nobody, cause typically the coach would stand out there on the sidelines and be like, you're in, you're in. Like, he would make people go, and I'd be like, I'm out, and I would just run out on the field. Didn't matter. Because nobody wanted to be on the scout team. They would run plays, and I would work so hard to get the tackle. I ran everywhere. I never walked. I ran everywhere I went, and I worked hard, and I earned a spot on the team. And I earned the respect of the older players. And I was a sophomore. 
And, well, since I earned the respect of the older guys, and let me tell you guys this. We had this one guy on our team. His name was Chris. And this guy was massive. He was an offensive lineman. He was huge. He was so big. Like, he got, when he was a senior in high school, he got a letter from about every major college football program asking him to come play at their school. From, like, Notre Dame, Florida, USC, OU, probably Missouri. I don't know. But, like, I remember seeing just a box of letters from all of these colleges. This guy was a monster. He was massive. And he ran me over a few times. But, um, but I worked really hard and I gained the respect of all these guys and so pretty soon these guys um, enjoyed me being around and they would invite me to the parties and I would be begin in the beginning um, I would reject the alcohol and the beer and say no I, I don't do that I don't do that and until I eventually gave in and it, like I said a while ago, if you put yourself around those things, those influences, you will eventually fall into that trap. And so I, I turned to partying and, and drinking and, and drugs most every single weekend and stupid things every weekend. And in the summers, almost any night we could get our hands on the stuff. Um, what I began to do was let other people write my story for me. By the time I was a sophomore in college, I was a borderline alcoholic. And that was all before I was even 21. My life was miserable. I was a total loser, and my life was going nowhere, 19, 20 years old. My story was being written for me. I let other people write my story for me until one day, one of my good friends, he had just gotten out of the hospital from a drug overdose. And he showed up at my house, and we sat outside my house on the curb, and he told me that he gave his life to Christ. And he told me that he wants me to do the same because he doesn't want to go it alone. I love the fact that found people find people because I'm a product of that. So from that exact moment, from that moment on, my life changed. It changed. My friends would be calling me up. Hey, man, let's go party. Let's go do this. People would show up at my house. Come on, get in. Let's go. I had to start telling them, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm not the same. I'm different. You cannot let other people write your story for you. I thank God that I'm not who I used to be. Jesus is real, and and he's changed everything about my life, and I'll never be the same. I'll never go back. He's done too much for me to ever, for me to ever turn my back on him. Some of you guys in this room, you need to quit let uh, quit letting other people tell your story, write your story for you. Be you. Be who God has called you to be and live a story worth telling. Check out what Gideon did in, in verse 15. He said, me, my master? How and with what? Could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. Gideon was from the weakest family, and he was the smallest in his family. That's why I kind of relate with Gideon, because um, I'm the smallest male in my family. But God shows up to him and says, You're the only one that I want to save Israel. You. With no experience, 
hiding out in a cave. You're the one. I'll choose you. I want to use you. And here's what I want to tell you guys this. I want everyone to look at me right now. Don't you dare let where you are right now keep you from going where God wants you to be. Don't you dare let where you are right now keep you from going where God wants you to be. No excuses. No lies. Nothing that anyone says to you. Forget about it. Be who God wants you to be. And number four, this is the last and final thing. This is the most important thing. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. I want you to know this for sure. Number four, make the next chapter the best chapter. Make the next chapter the best chapter. Uh, could we have our band come back up? <clears throat> What's the next chapter? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I can guarantee that it will be better than this one. Even if it's the worst possible thing that could happen to me, whatever comes my way, Lord willing, I will make my next chapter the best chapter. What are you going to do? Like, like, what could God do for you? What are you going to do? What's the biggest dream you have? Would God be amazed at your faith or would he be ashamed? <clears throat> does God hear your prayers and say, yes? Or does he hear your prayers and say, seriously, your, your faith is that small? Who in your family doesn't know Jesus? What are your friends don't know Jesus? Because found people find people. What, why can't you do something that changes the world? Live a story worth telling. I'll never forget. Winter retreat. Two years ago. Terry Parkman is standing up in front of everyone. And he prophesied in front of everyone that there's going to be at least four or five students who come out of this student ministry that are going to make a significant change in the world. That's not just here in this church. That's worldwide. Is that you? Is that you? Start living a story worth telling. You may have been messing up, but tonight you can turn that page and make that next chapter the best chapter. When you're my age and you you look back and say, "God, my life was incredible," and I thank you, um, I thank you for that. But those weren't even the best years of my life. Make the next chapter the best chapter. God called to me into ministry at 21 years old. I've never been to a Bible school. I've never had formal ministry training. I continue to, to figure things out as I go. Um, I was a full-time youth pastor at 23, I think. Um, I went to my second church as a youth pastor at 24. I came here. I was 31, I think. And, and every single year, every single time, as I continue to put my faith in Christ, my next chapter continues to be my best chapter. It continues to be the best. And when I get to be 50 years old, I want to keep changing until I die. I don't want to ever just be the same. And this, oh, God, I've showed up. This is it. This is the best there is. No, I want to keep pushing and let my next chapter be the, the best chapter. Do you want to know why? Because Jesus saved me. He saved me. I don't, I don't do what I do because I'm trying to get something. I do it because I've got something to give. 
you get a chance to tell your story with your life. Live a story that's worth telling. Change someone's life. Glorify Jesus with your incredibly huge dreams. Please change the world. It needs you. Before we move on, I want to tell you, you do not want to miss next week. We're going to continue our story series. And our friends David and Johnny North are going to be sharing next week. And they're going to share their story. And you do not want to miss it. You want to tell everyone they need to be here. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you, your story will never matter until Jesus is the Lord of your life. You you may be here and you may say, well, I've prayed that prayer a hundred times. I I can tell you this. I did too. I prayed that prayer a few thousand times, the prayer of salvation. I got saved so many times that I can't even remember. But that one day that Ryan and I sat on the curb outside of my house, the love the love of Jesus became so real to me. And in that moment, I knew that my life was changed. And I knew that I was never going to be the same. And I knew that I was never going to go back to my old ways. Jesus has to become your first priority. The king over every decision that you make. Until Jesus is in your conversations, your story will never matter. Tonight, he wants to start a story in your life that's going to matter. With every head bowed and every eyes closed in this room, tonight's your night, and, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life.